And uh, man, I'm, I'm so excited just to be in God's house with you today. I love this church. And uh, that's your opportunity to say, we love you too, Pastor. Do awesome, <laughs> thanks, guys. Anyhow, you would grab a Bible and go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to finish up our series, uh, our uncommon series today, with a sermon called Uncommon Calling. Uncommon Calling. We're going to talk about what it means to be called by God. What an incredible honor it is. To be called by God. To be called by God. First of all, I'm I'm thankful that He called me out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Are you grateful for that? I'm grateful for that call. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-9 through 9 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, Paul says, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. I love it. It says, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I'm telling you something. If God hasn't delivered you from it, He's given you the grace to go through it. you got to hear me this morning. If God hasn't delivered you from it, He will give you the grace to go through it. Paul said, His grace is sufficient for me, for His power is made perfect in my Weakness. Whatever He doesn't deliver you out of, He gives you the grace to walk through. Aren't you thankful for a God who never leaves you, never forsakes you? Sometimes He doesn't take you out the way you want Him to take you out, but He gives you the grace when He leaves you in to get through the thing that you're going through. So we see here, He says that He's called us and saved us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. I am thankful this morning that my calling has nothing to do with my works, has nothing to do with me, and everything to do with the purpose and the grace of God that is on my life. Aren't you thankful for that? One one scripture put it this way. Paul told Timothy, he said, Be strong in the grace wherein with you were called. In other words, whatever God has called you to do, He will give you the grace to do it. Not in your own strength, but in His strength. If what you are doing doesn't require the strength of God, I would challenge you this morning and say to you, you're not doing everything that God has for you to do. Because what God has for you to do requires God. And you need Him. And you you need Him. And you need Him. And you need Him more. And then you need Him some more. We never get to a point in our life where we wake up and we're like, God, I don't need you today. No, we need Him more and more and more. So he says he's given us a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Listen to this. This ties in even with Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 said God prepared beforehand works that we should walk in. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 says God has given us a work to do because of his purpose and grace. Listen, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before 
the ages began. Woo. The call of God went out before the ages began. Romans 11 says the gifts of God and the callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, God set something into motion and he can't take it back. In other words, before time even began, before this world began, God spoke your purpose into motion and nothing can, nothing can take it back. I've got good news for you this morning. You might have thought that you'd done some things to make God revoke his calling. But the gifts and the callings of God, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, are irrevocable. He's still calling you. Oh, he's still calling you. Even though you did what you did, God is still calling you. Even though, even though you said what you said, God is still calling you. You, I'm tell, I don't care if you're tired this morning. You need to go ahead and tell yourself to wake up. I am telling you this morning that the call of God is still calling on you. <laughs> From before time began. That's good news for us. It's good news for us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. I should just stop preaching now. That's all I got, really. Thank you even now for your word that's going to impact us and change us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 So if our calling is uncommon, what does it really mean to be, what does it really mean to be called? What I love about these scriptures is that they tell us that our calling was prepared for us beforehand. God prepared something before for us. Beforehand, God prepared something before us. Moses is called by God in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, whose name means to be drawn out of the water, is such a beautiful picture of what it means to be called by God. The name Moses. It's a picture for us of what it means to be called by God. His name means to be drawn out. So what God is saying to us when he calls us is, I'm calling something out of you that I put in you beforehand. Because God never calls us and then equips us. God calls us to what he's already equipped us for. God's calling comes with equipment. So God prepares beforehand our calling. In other words, it's like in Jeremiah chapter 1 when God calls Jeremiah. God had been calling Jeremiah because God tells Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in the womb of your mother, he said, I knew you. And I set you apart and I ordained that you would be a prophet unto the nations. What God is saying is this, before anybody knew you, I knew you. But even deeper than that, before I saw you, I knew you. Because God never prepares a purpose for us. God always prepares us for our purpose. 
So what he's saying to Jeremiah is before you were formed in the womb of your mother, I called you a prophet. Before you were ever seen by anybody on earth, I called you a prophet. And then when I made you inside your mother, I shaped you in the form I needed you to be in to fulfill the purpose that I had created for you. So this is good news to us this morning that when God creates us, he creates us with purpose in mind. God doesn't make a mistake when he's making us. God, when he's making us, he makes us on purpose, for purpose. He gave me the color of the skin I would need. He gave me the hair color I would need. He gave me the eyes I would need. He gave me the five foot eleven I would need. He gave me everything that I would need to accomplish the purpose that he has for me. If he needed me to have anything else, he would have given it to me. I want you to look at somebody beside you and say, I'm altogether lovely. I'm made, Genesis tells me I'm made in the image of God, and then I'm made, Jeremiah tells me, that I'm made in the shape of the purpose that he's created me for. Woo! That's good news. I'm not an accident. I've said this before, I, I I am not the result of some cosmic collision between sperm and egg. I was in God's mind before my mom was ever in my dad's bed. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so he, he will never ask you to do something he hasn't already equipped you to do. He doesn't create you, then you're calling. He's not, he's not preparing the calling for you. He's preparing you for your calling. So everything you're going through now is preparation for what God is getting ready to do in your life. Exodus 3, he calls Moses. Now, I want you to understand how powerful it is that you are on planet Earth today. Nobody sneaks into the earth. You have to be invited in to the earth. And God sends out an invitation. God sends out an invitation like when Samuel went to find the king, the next king of Israel. He sent an invitation to Jesse and he said, I want your sons to come out and I want your sons to appear before me. And from your sons, God has chosen the next king. And Jesse brings out the sons that he thought God had picked. He thought it's got to be at least one of these. But he didn't pick David. He let David stay in the field taking care of the sheep. But Samuel was told by God that none of the boys in front of him, none of the men in front of him were the next king. And so Samuel says, I want you to send an invitation to your other son. You know, the one that wasn't invited to the party. I want you to send an invitation to David. And you know what? We're not even going to sit down until David gets here. Because what God likes to do is he likes to take the people that weren't invited and he likes to send out an invitation and then he likes to make everybody who thought they were the one watch the one walk in the room. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, you're hearing me now. You're getting it. So he said, Moses, 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 Moses. Okay, let's get back to Moses. I said, I told you, the call of God comes fully equipped. I love James Bond movies. 
And the, 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 my favorite part in a James Bond movie is where James Bond goes to get equipped to fight whoever he's going to fight. And while they're equipping him, maybe at the last minute as he's getting ready to walk out the door, they'll throw something at him. It's like a pen or a piece of chewing gum or something. And they tell him, right, that if you get into a situation, you just press this or you bite this or you turn this and this will explode or this will send out a signal. And the whole movie, you're excited because you know at some point he's going to break this thing out that nobody's got a clue what's getting ready to happen. And so there's a point that comes in the movie where he's trapped, but you know he's not really trapped because you know he was prepared beforehand to handle this situation. So you know if he just takes that gum out, he just sticks it on that door, it'll blow up. And so you're waiting with anticipation to see how he's going to use this incredible thing that he has been given. And I'm telling you, the world is waiting with anticipation to see how you are going to use this incredible gift that God has given you, this incredible thing that God has put in you before time ever began. It's in you. It's in you. Some of you don't even know you got what you got. Come on. So Exodus 3, 11. God calls Moses and he says, Moses, he said, I've heard the cries of my people. Now, your birth is a response to someone's cry. You need, you, you need to hear this this morning. Your birth is the response to someone else's cry. In other words, God said, Moses, I heard the cries of my people, so I created you. So you have been brought into the earth to stop someone from weeping. Your purpose is to bring solution to the problems that ail and concern humanity. That's why you were made. That's why you always feel that you are more than what you are experiencing. It doesn't matter how high you climb. You always feel like there is more in you. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God himself put eternity in the hearts of men. And until your heart connects to the thing it was created for, you were created to, to impact eternity you're always going to be longing. That's why you'll never be satisfied, even if you get that promotion. Because until you use that promotion to stop somebody's weeping, it will never fully satisfy what you long for. You were created to stop the crying. You were created for it. And a lot of times, we almost catch it. We allow what we were created for to become criticism instead of problem solving. And so we come into a church, we come into a situation, and we learn how to criticize because what frustrates us is really an indicator of what we're called to fix. So when I'm frustrated by something, it's not just there for me to get mad at it. It's there because God has somewhere in me put the solution to the thing that frustrates me so much. I have to see that. And so God said, Moses, I heard the cry of my people, so I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And then Moses, obviously, he, he's, he's a little worried about this thing. Because he looks at himself, and he looks at the greatness of the God who's calling him. 
And then he looks at himself. And then he looks at the greatness of the thing that he's calling him to. And then he looks at himself and he realizes, I'm inadequate. And God says, you absolutely are. That's why I will certainly, the Bible says, be with you. When you are called by God, you are called and fully equipped. In other words, God says, I'm calling you, but what I'm calling you to do, you don't have to do it alone. You could try to do it alone, but you need to recognize without me, you are not enough. Without me, you cannot do this. And he wanted Moses to know from the get, from the jump, that Moses, if you're going to do this great thing that I have called you to do, it's going to require me. Moses developed such a dependency on God that God came one time. He said, Moses, I'm going to give you the victory. Moses, I want you to go up and I want you to take this victory. And Moses said, but God, are you going with us? Moses learned that I don't even want to win if God isn't involved in it. Moses said, I don't want to even go forward and win if God's not going to be there with me when I win. So he developed this dependency because it started out, God, I can't do this without you. And God said, I will certainly be with you. And then he said, but God, Exodus chapter 3, we move on down just a little bit. Verse 12, he says, what am I going to say? What am I going uh, uh, to say to them? Verse 13 through 14, he says, what shall I say to them? And God said, Moses, tell them I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. (laughs) He said, Moses, I just want you to know that whatever you need, I'm that. If you need me to be a voice, I'm a voice. If you need me to be breakthrough, I'm breakthrough. If you need me to be fire, I'm fire. If you need me to be lightning, I'm lightning. If you need me to be whatever, whatever you need, I am that I am. What do I say? I am that I am. I am. What do I say? I am that I am. What do we say? I am that I am. What what do we what's our what's our response to a world that's asking for solutions that that needs a solution that needs a deliverance that needs a healing that God is who he says he is. God is everything and in between. The Bible is not a book about people who had some issues. And this God jumped in and he fixed their issues. No, this book is about God from the beginning all the way to the end. Every failure is pointing us to the fact that there is a God who makes up for every insufficiency, every deficiency, every dysfunction, everything that we lack, he is. And for the rest of our lives, when we connect to the call of God, everything I am not God is. Can you say amen? So he says, I'll be with you. I'll give you the words to say. The other thing he says is, I'll prepare the people. Verse 18, because if you say what God tells you to say, they'll hear what they need to hear. He says in verse 18, they will heed your voice. So not only when God calls you, is he going to be with you? Is he going to give you the words to say? But God will prepare the people that you're supposed to speak to. If you'll say what God told you to say, they will heed your voice. That's why when I get up here on Sunday morning, I don't want to hear a word Robbie Hilton has to say. What I want to hear is what God has to say. Because if I'll say what God says, then the people will heed to the word of the Lord. So he says, I'll prepare the people. 
You don't even have to worry about that. Because I know sometimes we worry about, well, what if I say what you say? Well, he said, if you'll say what I told you to say, I'll prepare their hearts and their ears to hear what I told you to say. Sometimes we don't walk in the favor that we're designed to walk in because we refuse to say what God told us to say. And until the, what he told us to say is the key that unlocks the door to the favor that we need to do what God has called you to do. So he says, I'll tell you what to say. And guess what he says? And I'll give you favor. I'm going to give you all so much favor that, listen, listen, listen to what he says, verse, verse 18. Or I'm sorry, verse 21. He said, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. This is good news for us because every time God calls us to something, sometimes when we get called into something, we have to leave some things behind. Sometimes we go into situations empty-handed. Sometimes when we're called by God and we do what God has asked us to do, we lose some things in the process. We lose some relationships. We, sometimes some of y'all have obeyed God and it's not worked out the best for you. It seemed like, but this is God's promise to you. When you do what I've called you to do, I'll give you so much favor that when you're through doing what I asked you to do, you'll come out with more than you went in with. And I'm telling you, the enemy thought he had you. He thought he had destroyed you. He thought he had ruined you. But I'm telling you, even this morning, when you walk out of this building, you're walking out with more than what you came in with. You might have walked in empty-handed, but you're walking out with your hands full of the favor and the glory of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. So you say, you won't leave empty-handed. And then listen to this. I'm almost done. He said, I will use... What is within your reach? So let's go through this again. I will be with you. I will give you the words to say. I will prepare the people. I will give you favor. And I will use what is within your reach. Exodus chapter 4. God's already told Moses, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. Moses comes up with another excuse. Well, God, what if after all of that, they don't believe me? Isn't, isn't the Lord... So gracious to put up with us when we act like he doesn't know what he's doing. He said, God, what if what if they don't believe me? God says, what's in your hand? It's, it's I just I got this stick. It's 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 a rod I carry around and and I use it for walking and and I use it sometimes when I'm tired to lean on and. I probably hit a couple people with it. You know, it's, uh, it's got many uses, but I don't know how this thing is going to help me fulfill the call of God on my life. And God says, throw it on the ground. And when he throws it on the ground, the Bible tells us it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. He ran from his, his own stick that... Turned into a snake. How crazy is this story? Because what God is saying to you, unless you take what you've been leaning on and throw it on the ground, unless you take what you have developed a comfort level in and throw it on the ground, 
then you're going to continually walk in the natural when I've called you to walk in the supernatural. So God is saying, I want you to take every natural gift you have and throw it on the ground. I want you to walk, I want you to throw it on the ground until it becomes so scary you got to run from it. I want you to throw it on the ground until it becomes so supernatural that it scares you. I want you to throw your gift on the ground until it becomes so powerful that you don't recognize it anymore. In other words, what God is saying is before I put a microphone in your hand, are you willing to serve? Before I take you here, are you willing to go here? Before you see the fullness of what I have to do in your life, are you willing to turn over everything you've been leaning on? That's why the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him in what? He will direct your paths. God is waiting for you to acknowledge him. And so when Moses finally acknowledges him and says, okay, God, here it is. God turns it into a serpent. And then God says, now pick it up. Because everything that you need to do what God has called you to do is within your reach. If it's not within your reach, it's not for you. You got to hear me this morning. If, if it's not within your reach, it's not for you. I tell Oliver, if you can't reach it, don't go get it. And he'll climb stuff. And he'll fall off of stuff trying to reach stuff that he is not ready to reach. God wants me to tell you this morning, if it's within your reach, grab it. But if it's outside of your reach, leave it alone. It doesn't belong to you. That's good news because what I don't have to do is live up to somebody else's expectation of my reach. I can only reach as far as I can reach. I don't have to live up to somebody else's expectation or somebody else's reach. I don't have to live up to your reach. Your reach is different than my reach. My reach is different than your reach. Some people are called to reach across the ocean. Some people are called to reach just in their backyard. It doesn't matter what you're called to reach. Just reach where God has called you to reach. If it's within your reach, take it. So he, he takes it and picks it up. Why? Because God never asks for you to do something that he hasn't equipped you for. Why would he take Moses through all of that? Because God wanted Moses to know, like I want you all to know, that he is, he's never going to ask for a withdrawal where he hasn't made a deposit. In other words, he's like the, the master who gave out gifts and talents. And he came back and he asked them, what have you done with what I gave you? All God wants is a return on his investment. And God, if he's given you anything, will spend the rest of your life trying to draw out of you what he put in you. See, that's when you got saved, you, you, you made a little bit of a mistake because... Now God has become your father, and now he is responsible to develop you and to mature you as a son or daughter. And because he loves you so much, he refuses to let you go to the grave without him doing everything he can to make sure you finish the work that he started in your life. And so God will drive you up a wall. He will drive you crazy. 
He will come at you and come at you until you finally say, I'm tired of fighting God. I give in. Here's me. Here's my gift. Here's all I have. Take me. Use me for your glory. He is constantly, even, even in the life of the people who try to act crazy, he still comes after you. Look at Samson. Samson, they needed a deliverer. Samson was born to be a deliverer. Samson grows up. He's headed in the right trajectory for his life. He's defeating all of these enemies. He's doing his thing, but he falls in love with the wrong person. How many people have, has destiny seemed to be derailed because they fell in love with the wrong person? But watch how good God is. Even though Samson did exactly what God told him not to do, Samson finds himself at the end of his life defeating the army, defeating the people that God had raised him up to defeat. you got to understand something about God. Like I said earlier, I don't care what you did, he's still calling. I don't care how far you ran, he's still calling. I don't care what you said, he's still calling you this morning. <laughs> Samson, he's blind. The Bible says his hair started to grow back. He's at the end of it all. And he says, God, could you use me? If you hear me, is your calling still on my life? And God says, absolutely. And Samson, Samson put his arms on those pillars. And this ain't no fictional, this ain't no joke. This happened, that man put his hands on those pillars and he pushed them. And that entire city came crumbling down because the call of God is irrevocable. He will accomplish something in you, even in your death. He will even use your death to bring glory to his name. You got to hear me. I watched, a, I, watched a young, I watched a young boy who I believe was called by God to preach the gospel. I believed that I had, I had seen the gifting on his life. And I watched as that young boy ran away from God. He got into drugs and alcohol. And I remember getting a call one night that he had died in a car accident. And I thought, God, you had called him. Why in the world would you allow him to die like that in a car accident, on drugs, in alcohol, running from his purpose? And God said, watch me. And I'll never forget being at his funeral and hearing the gospel preached at his funeral and watching hundreds of young people walk. You got to hear me. God, his calling is so strong that he, he will even use your backsliding to bring people. He will even use your, oh my, he's so good that he will even use when you're running to, to make sure you fulfill the thing that he called you in the earth to do. Is that an excuse to act like a fool? Absolutely not. But I need you to know how strong the call of God is on your life. How strong, how strong it is. How much he wants a return on his investment. And even if he has to use your death to bring people to him, he'll use your life in some way, some shape, some form, some fashion to get the call to draw out of you what he put in you. He's that good. He's that good. Pastor Fred, can you come here a second? I'm going to end right here. Let me make.
How are you? I don't know. <laughs> Could you move your jacket a second? Okay, just wanted to make sure. All right. Hey, last year I had a friend who wrote a book. It's called Sandcastle Kings. His name's Rich Wilkerson Jr. And um, what I wanted you to do for everybody in the room, I wanted you to tell me what's at the top of page 167 in that book. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty, I know you can do this. Why are you? I've never, I've never seen the book. You've never seen the book? No. Can you do me a favor? Sure. If, if I help you down off this stage, will you go back to your chair? Uh, yeah. Okay, come here. Come here. All right, don't hurt yourself. Well, you, you, there's a book underneath your chair. There it is. That's, that's the book I was asking you to, to, to quote from. Can you open it? I put a bookmark in there just so you wouldn't have to search too long. Is that page 167? What's it say, what's it say at the top of 167? The very top? Oh, yeah, it says, uh, you know where I sit and where I rise. When I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Yeah. Psalms 139, verses 2 through 4. Think about that. Thank you. Now, the reason I did that is because I made a demand of you. But I didn't make a demand of you that I knew you couldn't fulfill. Because before the service began, I came in here and I sat that book under the seat that I knew you were going to sit in. And so beforehand. And you know another thing about it, it was within your reach. You didn't have to go to somebody else's chair and find it. It was within your reach. I'm telling you this morning, I know... You feel like the thing that God is calling you to do is outside of you. But it's not. It's in you. And it's within your reach. It's within the pages of that Bible you keep neglecting. It's within that prayer closet you refuse to go in. It's within your reach. You're just not looking in the right places. And I'm telling you today that just like Moses, God is drawing us out. He's drawing us out. And He's drawing out of us the thing that He has already put within us and within our reach. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning and close your eyes.